to do? Making a video. Making a video. Welcome to part two of the Halloween film retrospective with your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and our guest, Mr. Lee Beckman. We're going to look at the last five films in the franchise and then we are going to rank all ten of them. So uh, we'll get right to business, but before we do so, as usual, I have to tell anyone listening that there will be coarse language and there will be spoilers. You can find the show on Facebook, you can find it on iTunes, you can find our website at rankandreview.ca, that's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W.ca, and you can please send me some feedback, I'd love to get some more feedback from you guys, and you can do that at rankandreview at gmail.com, that's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Thank you so much, let's get back to the bloodletting. Welcome to the Halloween Retrospective, Part 2. So let's talk about uh, part six, Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers. Yep. Uh, to talk about cursed. I think this we've talked about several troubled productions already, but this one has got a whole new produ- producer's cut that's going to be released all you're, these years you're, later. You're already jumping into this. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, but I want to let people know that I want to base this review that we're talking about here. Not on this new cut that's about to be released or whatever, but on the theatrical cut. It is released, but yeah. Okay, well, but on the theatrical cut of, yeah. of this, because that's, that's what I'm basing my personal view on. That's where it was released as in the most mass market medium. That's where most people saw it. Well, that's the only way you saw it when it was released. Yeah. Um, and I think even the people involved in the film would say it's a hot fucking mess. Yes. Um, and I've seen the alternate ending. I haven't seen the entire recut of the film, but I've seen, you know, where the movie was going and the trajectory that they originally intended for Loomis and blah, 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 blah. But as none of that's in here, that's not how I'm going to rate this particular movie. Okay. As I'm going to relate this particular movie, it's another slasher entry. It's also set in Haddonfield. 
Ant-Man, a very, very young and uh, uh, pretty Paul Rudd. Yep, he's skinny and young. Uh, yeah, uh, is here one of these characters who inexplicably knows way more information than they seem to should. And uh, the mysterious figure that was, was nudged in the previous film, the cowboy boots, the guy... Uh, they're trying to build much more around the sort of character of Michael Myers, expand the universe, uh, because I think, like I said, they were sort of, Haddonfield was getting played out. Yeah. So their way to sort of get around this is to get the sort of cult aspect going on. There is a, the undercurrent you talked about of, you know, the militias and the sort of default protector, you know, alpha male thing. There's also an under-under thing of this, you know, satanic, culty, whatever you want to call it. The cult of Thorn that's called in this movie. Yeah. So uh, as much as there's a there's a whole school there to protect the world from Michael Myers, there's a whole school there basically inflicting Michael Myers on the, wo- on the world. You'd think that this would be more interesting the way we're describing it, but it isn't. The movie starts with them killing off the Jamie Lloyd character, Daniel Harris. Big mistake there. Again, a mistake. Well, it wasn't Daniel Harris. It wasn't a mistake killing her. It was a mistake how How they killed her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She manages to save the baby, but not save herself. And she dies this awful, awful, awful death. Yeah. And 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 uh, she dies two different ways. There's the theatrical cut, and then she dies differently in the producer's producer's cut. cut. But either way, she dies an awful death. Yeah. And, uh, you you know, you flash back to cute little 11, 12-year-old Daniel Harris hanging over there. You're just like, and it was all for naught. It's not exactly Halloween 3. And again, I'm not saying you're not allowed to kill off that character. I'm saying if you are going to kill off that character, make it count. Make me care. Here's the thing, because I have seen both cuts of this movie. And you think Halloween 3 is bug shit crazy? Yeah. <laughs> the producer's cut is bat shit crazy. Yeah. It, like, and honestly, if we're going to talk about the mistakes in the theatrical cut, we're going to, I'm going to have to reference the producer's cut and talk about what happened behind the scenes of this movie because some of it is legendary and led to the debacle, which is Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. This all starts with screenwriter Daniel Ferens. Uh, he basically, legend has it, he pitched the idea to Mustafa Akand, um, and, and Akand really liked his idea and pitch, and, at least idea for the story. And uh, this guy, Daniel, was longtime fan, first-time writer, who somehow talked his way into writing the, the script for this movie. His script is cray cray <laughs> one of the things that happens and it's in the producer's cut is basically you know at the beginning uh jamie is giving birth to uh basically a baby um we as opposed to a horse or a yeah horse. we see in flashbacks so basically what it happens is the cult of thorn uh basically is has been using michael for years as this sort of conduit to, uh, to their evil and Michael has to completely eliminate his family to make an ultimate sacrifice. So this cult, you know, so the crops can be fertile and this cult can regain its, its strength, its grip on the world. But here's the thing that does not make a lick of sense. If your whole plan is to have Meyer, Michael Myers wipe out his family, then why on earth do you have a scene in the producer's cut where he is physically impregnating, impregnating Jamie Lloyd? In a ceremony. So you she ha- was carrying his baby. Michael Myers rapes Jamie Lloyd to basically 
continue spawn the scene and, and it's the, the cult is basically ordering to do this so we have a scene in the producer's cut where Michael is pardon my French fucking the shit out of Jamie Lloyd it is crazy it is disgusting and it is a wrong decision. It's weird. I seem to. I just got a flashback to when we were talking about uh, the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Yes. And there was the one entry where the girl says she has a flashback to where she encountered Jason in the woods. Yeah. And because she's still alive, and by the context of her story, we yeah. can only be led to understand that Jason raped her. Yeah. And because he's been such a non-sexualized figure all this time that he's still like mentally a child, yeah. it didn't read true to me. Yeah. Now, again, I didn't get that in my version of this. As far as I'm concerned, she was protecting her child. and well, Jason, It's and, not and, in and, theatrical. And, and Michael was after the child because the same reason he was always he yeah. was killing his blood, his family bloodline. Yeah. Um, and I guess it kind of works. In the version of the movie I watched, it just becomes this weird shadow play in the background. I can tell that there's stuff superfluous going on to yeah. the left and right of these scenes. But they bared it back to the most basic Michael Myers chase slasher. It's like they made this ambitious cult movie, which was a disaster, and they yeah. probably knew it was a disaster. So they took that disaster and they cut it back to basically an even weaker derivation of the Haddonfield Halloween franchise. They basically had painted themselves into a corner by the time Five rolled around and left a lot of unanswered questions, and this movie was supposed to, to deliver it. I was excited to see this movie, um, because I was a huge fan. I wanted to know who the man in the trench coat and the cowboy boots were. I, they had built this other storyline with this cult at some point, or at least some sort of shadow organization. Yeah. It wasn't been... completely out of the clear blue sky. Yeah. yeah. So we, we also wanted to see that story, or at least sort of story arc end with Jamie Lloyd, Here's the thing. Daniel Harris read the script and hated it, mm -hmm. but at the same time knew that a lot of fans wanted to see her at least reprise her role. So she asked for $5,000 to at least do this movie, even though she knew that it was well, not very good. And the producers and director went, no, you're, you're basically not, you're, you're a supporting character who disappears. You were not going to pay the $5,000. Thanks for all you did. Thanks for being an amazing child to but fuck you for asking for five grand. Yeah, so she said no. They said no, sorry. And basically recast it. Some actor. Jane Smith. I don't so, know. I don't know. Yeah, whatever her name was. As Jamie Lloyd. And... I didn't even know that Jamie Lloyd was in the movie the first time I saw it. I, I just thought it was some chick. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't even make that connection. So when she died, there was I felt nothing. Like I said, it was an awful death. Yeah. But like again, and then when you realize the full context of it, it's like, oh, it's that cute little girl from the previous movie. Yeah, that was a mistake not bringing her back, and that's the reason why she didn't return. Now, I said this before, but like, it's not saying you can't kill her. Yeah. Just make a death count. Yeah. Make us feel something, and then yeah. then, then again, but. So much of this movie, because it was, you know, made one way and cut into another thing, you know. Yeah. It, these choices weren't being made for art. These yeah. were all being made for profit. Right? Anyways, getting back to the legend of this movie. So, about the three-quarter mark, they had initially shot the majority of the movie. Uh, but they soon realized that they'd run out of money. So, director Joe Chappelle and the screenwriter and Mustafa Akkad basically went to the Weinstein brothers and said, Hey... We're out of money. We're out of money, but we almost got the latest Halloween movie. Can you help us? And so Harvey Weinstein saw the movie and said, all right, I'll buy the rights to this movie and the franchise because this is a cash cow. I can do something with it, but I want this cut out, this cut out, this cut out. 
and I want this movie way more violent and way more hip. Yeah. So and, and some of his decisions, I agree with. Get rid of the cult rape scene because it was just nobody it, wants. It that. was exploitive for exploitive sake, and it didn't and it, it didn't make any sense logically because mm-hmm. why? If your whole goal is to kill the Myers bloodline, would you have Michael essentially continue? Yeah. The bloodline. Just I mean I'm not. It, it's not quite the same thing as Jason. Maybe it is because he's a kid when he makes his first kill, but yeah. I've never felt anything sexual about he's Michael He's an Myers. asexual being to me. If he had sex with that character, I mean, as far as the story is, as far as well, that's, that, that's how he broke his... That's how he, you know... That's yeah, how, that's how he popped his cherry, technically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the reason why, in theory, he gets so upset is when people, you know, teenagers are having sex, know I must kill them. So the fact that he is showing his sexuality at this point, it's a wrong decision. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. We, you know, yeah. We we want sex and violence. We don't necessarily want to see Michael Myers having sex with anybody. A decision that I don't agree with, and maybe it's because at this point they wanted to at least sort of you know milk that cow for what it's worth, and it didn't help the fact that at this point Donald Pleasance died very quickly after uh, the initial shoot of Halloween Six. Well, at least he died before he could watch the film. Yeah. Yeah, but something Ouch. something that didn't make a lick of sense in the theatrical cut is the ending. Yeah. In the producer's cut, what we have here, and I think this is where the, where the title does make sense, is that uh, passed on to the, the, the curse of, uh, of Michael, of being the protector of Michael, is then given over to Donald Pleasance, Daniel, you know, Dr. Loomis's character. I like that decision. I thought that was kind of a neat, choice made both by the screenwriter and the director Joe Chappelle at this point the idea being for the next Halloween movie instead of being the guy trying to stop Michael Myers he would be the wingman to Michael Myers yeah Yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice Uh, and that ending makes sense but the ending we get in Halloween 6 is one of the most anticlimactic what kind of happened it sort of reminds me the end of number 2 where it almost seems like they literally ran out of money and, and had credits. and had this yeah it, it's it's this it the pace of it's all wrong, for the the spoilers here we go, Halloween six ends with a final battle between our man Ant Man, yeah, um, and Michael Myers battling out in the supposed birth room of Michael Myers is what we're meant to believe I think so, uh, and they have this battle, and then. Sorry, what's the actor again? Um, I'm doing a blank here. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Who's, do you know which character he's playing, by the way, in the whole anthology of the Halloween? Do you remember the young boy from the original Halloween? Oh, really? Same kid, right. It's the same kid grown up. That's and right. No, they do mention that. Yeah. Right. So, so he's, he's the adult version of this. Basically, then, we meet the Donald Pleasance character and him and our survival girl. And they basically invite him, you know, Dr. Loomis, why don't you come with us? No, I've got, you know, one, la- one last thing to do. And then we have those quick cuts of the Halloween mask and him screaming that same, you know, no, no, from number four and quick shots of a knife kind of stabbing and that's it. Yeah. That's the end of the theatrical cut. And I remember sitting in Place Rail Theater, may you rest in peace, because yeah. that was the last film I saw in Place Rail Theater oh, as well before it went, <laughs> was that, and I kind of went, what? What, what, what was that? So what happened is that they couldn't bring Donald Pleasance back to reshoot the scenes. He was busy being dead. And Weinstein, and Harvey Weinstein did like the fact that he was given the curse. So they cut that out. But in doing so, they have no ending. Yeah. They really don't. We are left to think that Michael Myers is bleeding on the floor in, in this weird genetic birth room. 
and Donald Pleasance is essentially walking into this hospital to, uh, what, finish the job? I don't know. Well, all the stuff around the movie is proving to be far more interesting than the movie itself. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah. It almost seems like one of these, like, is one version better, is the other version better? It seems like the whole thing just needed to be scrapped. <laughs> and, you know, the, sometimes shit doesn't work out and everybody just needs to dust themselves off and go to the next party. Yeah. But, you know... If it even vaguely held together, they're going to release it and try and make money. And that's why it's here. And because I'm a horror movie completist, yeah. uh, this is included in my collection. I'd like to think if it was any other movie franchise, this would like be, you know, as far as the Michael Myers movies of these go, be like easily the worst of them. Alas, it is, it is not. not. No, I also get the sense, you know, did you ever watch that documentary, 25 Years of Terror? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, they, they talked... Kind things are not said about director Joe Chappelle. Uh, a lot of the actors kind of said, no, he was he was more concerned about his three-picture contract deal. And this was the first movie? The first one. He would later grace us with, wait for it, Phantoms, because Ben Affleck was fucking the shit in that movie. <laughs> yeah, his next movie was Phantoms. I, I don't even know what his third movie was, but kind words were not given to Joe Chappelle, but he did go with Mustafa Akkad to go with Harvey Weinstein and said, look, uh, you know, I got this movie. He played ball, too. Like, yeah. they were fucking with him. It must have been a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. Like, okay, your movie's a mess. Let's fix it. Oh, your star just died. We can't fix it. Oh, yeah. this. Oh, that. I mean... We got a release date. Boom. Yeah. And uh, we're going to release something no matter what. And guess what? Your fucking name's going to be on it. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm yeah. not unsympathetic for him, but I'm not so sympathetic. Oh as hell, to man! It, it, you know what? At least he made a Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, hats off to him. Um, it's a vapid mess of a movie. It's it is the logic is all over the place. I do like the fact that they, you know they tried to at least answer some questions that started really even in uh, all the way number three, number two. Sorry. And we finally get some sort of ending to it, especially, you know, with, you know, the man who, who the identity of the man of the trench coat is played by the actor. Let me see. I forget the name. Mitchell Ryan, we find out essentially is the man in the trench coat. He's secretly been helping Dr. Loomis all along. And we're almost met, meant to believe that has been eyeing him up to, you know, carry on the curse of Michael Myers. It was all a long term trap. But, but not only that, but the houses surrounding the Myers house, because we find out that a family is once again moved back into the Myers house. Mm -hmm. That the, You know, the houses around are all part of this cult of thorn. This movie is redonkulous. Yeah. Uh, and sadly... But it's not sort of fun, crazy redonkulous like part three either. It's more sad, uh, frustrating. Yes. Redonkulous. Yeah, it's, it's also a tacky move to have... You know, the, the Halloween score done by guitar. <laughs> it just, it, it, is all I say. Also, the fact that, you know, they had a song by Creed <laughs> makes me kind of just... Well, again, shit like that is just like bad hair, bad music, bad... That's shit in the background. That's yeah. just the time the movie was made. That's not even really the movie's fault in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's the wrong music for the wrong scene, then that's their fault. But My mistake. Just... The Creed song is on the next one. My bad. Anyways, right. we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll clean that up. Anyway... Halloween minutes. 6 it's a vapid mess of a movie for Halloween completists yeah I'd say I'd go watch it a weird anomaly if you can get your hands on it and I do want it there is a blu-ray box set of Halloween and I had it in my hands at one point 
but it was over a hundred dollars, yeah. and it was one of those for a set of movies that you've that, seen a hundred times. And I own at least three quarters of. It would almost seem bad, but me wanting anyways. It the producer's cut is in there. The the producer's cut is batshit crazy. Yeah. I, well, a that's what things. I say. Neither version I think is going to salvage this mess. But because that this had existed, it altered <laughs> what we saw eventually, right. which made the movie incomprehensible. Avoid this movie, honestly. Yeah. Unless you're a Halloween completist, then you kind of have to go see it. But besides that, but Honestly, as much <coughs> as we gave super faint praise to Part 5, yeah. like, for the Loomis Tangent series, yeah. it should just end with Part 5. Much the way I'm about to say, with the Lori Tangent series... They should start with H. They should stop with H two O. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the curse of Michael Myers didn't happen, and resurrection <coughs> never happened. Yes. Uh, and again, it's that weird mirror thing. They keep on repeating themselves in strange ways. But yeah, I'm ready to stop talking about this one. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. terrible. Take off your clothes. My brother killed my sister. How do you do that? With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? What's going on, baby? I don't know. This is a sick joke. <laughs> now. Come on! The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. But this time, it's going to be a fight to the finish. And now we discuss Water, the movie. <laughs> yes. I, I can't believe that... I'm sure somebody when in, the, in the advertising campaign pointed out to them that the, all of their posters advertising for water might be confusing to some people h2o h2o halloween 20 years later all of these other halloween sequels after part two didn't happen people it was all bullshit well that was smart by them i, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of thought let's get there was the... no way to dig themselves out of the mess yeah so let's, let's not even try because at this point it would be stupid yeah i even so... love the original tagline they were going to do for this movie is you know, blood is thicker than water. Yeah. Well, they got Jamie Lee Curtis back, yeah. and that's the only way to keep going at this point because Donald Pleasance has sadly died. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she's going to be our new protagonist, and she's all grown up, and she's sort of headmaster of this university campus. She's got a, a grown-up college-age son, and uh, it's been 20 years, and she still kind of lives in fear of Halloween. Yeah. It's great because it, they give us, A, a large empty can, uh, campus yeah. to have all this play out on, uh, so it's not Haddonfield again. Yeah. 
and uh, you know we've got all these big great old buildings lots of places to hide lots of places to creep lots of long dark hallways that helps us and uh, the fact that it had been so long and that the fans were hungry for a proper you know Michael Myers movie with teeth yeah H2O brought the goods oh yeah um, Steve Miner who we have talked about before is a strange dude he does a lot of sort of franchise installments he's like a workman director and sometimes I want to fucking slap him around I believe I, I lost my temper with our short and just frustrating version uh, review of his Day of the Dead yeah because of what a pointless and loveless exercise it was yeah I won't say that here I'm not sure how he got this gig in fact this is a much higher profile role than he typically gets and that he would seem to get afterwards as well he did Lake Placid after this but, I think that's right but he brought some good suspense to this movie and he gave us a very solid Michael Myers slasher movie again he does not reinvent the wheel he just gives the fans what they want in a slightly new variation and uh, brings the series into a very satisfying conclusion what should have been satisfying and what should have been conclusion but somebody decided to make resurrection we need to make <laughs> we need to keep making money but sorry let's save our sorry because i don't want to get angry now i no. want to i want to spend some love on this yeah the other thing i want to say and i'll let you talk about this movie too because there's two of us here yeah but this is a star-studded movie yeah like Josh Hartnett's kind of been doing a lot of TV Screen lately, but there, debut. Was, there was a while there where Josh Hartnett was, you know, pretty big news. Yeah. Michelle Williams has gone Academy on Academy Award nominated. Uh, Michelle yeah. Williams. LL Cool J is, some for some reason, considered a box office draw. I don't yeah. know how much of an actor he is, but he's got a sort of interesting vibe to him. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. Janet Leigh. Yep. Psych. Like, yep. They really packed this movie with actors, and a lot of them like weren't big at the time, but yeah. they were obviously good actors. Yeah, and uh, a lot know, of as people much as I was out. defending some of the previous Halloween movies, not a lot of the acting wasn't the reason to be watching the movie a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, that's why those small roles where they really do bring a good performance kind of stand out for me. <laughs> yeah, well, H two O has a lot of good things going for it. For one, the people behind the scenes all love this material are all fans of this material and that's when they want it back on the right step and Steve Miner was one of them but you also have Patrick Lussier I'm sure I'm saying his name incorrectly he's a famous uh, cinema editor but also has gone into the directing chair he, I, he, he did like Drive Angry he's also known for being a ghost director when projects have been um, run, spinning out of control like Jessica Alba's The Eye apparently had some real problems and he came in and righted the ship Rennie Harlan's kind of become a fixer in that way, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Patrick Lussier? Lussier? I'm uh, sorry, Patrick. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering your name. I, this is, I should have done my homework. homework. Anyways, he was very much had his fingers in this pie and was the editor for this movie. Kevin Williamson was at the height of his powers at this point. He had already given us you know, Scream. Uh, he was gaining more and more powers. I, I think he had done killing or teaching mrs tingle yeah um anyways he wrote the script for this and this movie is fun it's fun and partial or partly because of him yeah well here's the thing it is fun but it's not as typical b 
Yeah. I'm a Kevin Williamson fan. A lot of people kind of get worn out on his premise. I, yeah. I mean, the first two screams, I think, are quite strong. And yeah. he wrote the screenplay for them. Yeah. The faculty, I think, is quite strong. Yeah. But what those three movies are doing well, and they're all doing the same thing, but they're yeah. doing it well, yeah. is basically poking fun at the genre while being a genre exercise. Yeah. And this is a pretty straight genre exercise. Yeah. It's a fun genre exercise, but it's not a, uh, uh, come on. There's a little bit of that. There's there's the joke about the closet when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is being chased by Michael at this point, mm-hmm. and she's running, and she opens up the closet and goes, no, no, fuck, not yeah. again, and slams it. There, there's, that is one of the few moments yeah. that rings insincere. Yeah. Right? Uh, to me, anyway. Yeah. Because who's that for? Did she just make a little it's for, for the herself? It's for the fans. That's right. Yeah. And when they're... A, a, absolutely implicitly doing something that a character wouldn't do but that the fans would enjoy yeah. that's when I think they make the misstep yeah. but they don't do it very often here and when they do no. I kind of like I understand it yeah. I understand why the closet scenes the psycho music when we see um, Jimmy Lee Curtis's mother yeah. show up that's another one like oh, okay yeah yeah uh, yeah the yeah, fact yeah. that we revisit in the in most of the Halloween movies there seems to be a murder where he stabs someone with a knife and lifts them off of the ground yeah. with yeah. the her, her boyfriend's death is, is very much sort of a reference Played by to one that. of the Arkin brothers, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's, not a, it's not performed as a joke. or a, No, no, it's brutal. Like, it's a terrible moment. We kind of like that guy, but we want to do it. But it is something that, it's almost like a trademark, Michael Myers' kill. Yeah. That we recognize, ah, classic Michael move, right? Yeah. But that is still horrifying. It's yeah. not like, ha, 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 It's like, oh, dude. Yeah. And that's where I prefer to be. With the Halloween movie. Yeah, for the fans of the series, and then she'd shown up, I think, both in one, two, and four. Do you remember the nurse at the beginning that yeah. with Dr. Loomis? She's the first, first victim. victim. Yeah. That's a nice touch. But the best decision they made with this movie that Kevin Williams decided to do is Laurie Strode is no longer a victim. No. And she turns... She's rippled up a little bit. She, basically at the beginning of the third act, basically all of a sudden grabs a big axe and becomes Amazon Warrior Queen. Yeah. And that was such the right move that even in the theaters that I saw this for the first time, tingles happened all over my body. When she screams, Michael! Bess decision they could have done and it, it is and it then becomes a smackdown yeah between she's not Laurie gonna run and get the police no she's not gonna run away she's gonna confirm that her son and the students that are left are, are safe yeah and she's gonna lead michael away from the place and she's gonna kill the fuck out of him and you know what yeah <laughs> like literally i was applauding when i saw that uh like uh this has been 20 years coming and the reason that she's been paranoid is because some part of her knows it yeah and this confrontation like part of her she's been psychologically preparing for it and it is yeah. very satisfying yeah so and and uh, that's why we get some out of the next movie yeah um can I enter my racist stage of the review? Oh, are we talking about LL now? I fucking hate LL Cool J in this movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, and it's well. not the first horror movie that I fucking hate LL Cool J in. Yeah. A little movie called Deep Blue Sea. Hey, hey. I know, I love the movie. It's yeah. a dumb movie, but I love it. Yeah, but every time we cut to LL Cool J, yeah, I'm like, shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, I, I just know. like, yeah. you're not you're not taking any of this seriously. Yeah. I don't believe the stakes. Yeah. You're making funny one-liners to yourself. Yeah. And he's doing the same goddamn thing here. Yeah. And everything else about the movie is working. Yeah. And to add insult to injury, they killed the character off 
Oh, but no, they didn't because yeah. we can't kill him because we like him. We gotta, so much. we gotta I, play with the cliche I of killing. That. I hate that so much. Yeah. Like, I think that it would have been so much more powerful had she accidentally legit killed the security yeah. guard, right? Yeah, and yeah. I would have been happy because no more goddamn LL Cool J. Yeah. And it's not that he's a terrible actor, just like he's always used in the same thing, right? Yeah. Everybody else in the movie takes it seriously. Yeah. They're scared. There's stakes. LL Cool J is always unmistakably in the movie. Yeah. And he knows he's in a movie, and he's kind of happy that he's yeah. in the movie. This, and it takes me right the fuck out of it. This isn't the first time that this series makes this mistake, but this series is very guilty of hiring rappers, trying to be actors. Save it. And, we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and put them in the movie. It's not the worst casting choice this series has ever done. No. We'll get to that. But I get, like, I get mm-hmm. his presence in the movie. It, yeah. It's sort of like, you know... Halloween has been a painfully white franchise. Why not have some different faces yeah, in here? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, LL Cool J, if it's going to bring butts to seats, for sure have him in the movie. Just yeah. work on that script. I hate that archetype character, and I yeah. hate that he's played it several times. Yeah, you know, he he felt more movie than anyone else in the movie. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's 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 like <laughs> part seven <laughs> Halloween yeah. franchise. You yeah. know, uh, it's pretty movie, but yeah. he was the, the guy who took me out of it. Yeah. One thing that's sort of distracting to me, and I really noticed it this time around, is they couldn't get the rights to show the original Michael Myers mask. So throughout so the lightly augmented, yeah. So throughout the movie, the mask does change somewhat. Um, it, it is distracting, and even at one at one point, they CGI'd on. Um, oh, really? uh, basically, William Shatner's face, and it looks horrible. It's quick. And it's one of the scenes right where one of our teenagers is killed. It, it just it, it takes you out of it, yeah. even more so on the Blu-ray version. If you do ever get get a chance to watch it, it's a little distracting. But the reasons why they couldn't do it is they couldn't afford the rights. Yeah. But whatever. Look, this this was a much reinvigorated entry in the franchise. I I, I loved the fuck out of this movie. I, more than I should because it is a slasher film. It's also mercifully short. It is very quick. It's like like I said, it's barely eighty five minutes with credits. Yeah. So it's over before it starts, and I think that's one thing that works in its favor. Um, the the cast is very strong. Way better than it should have been for a movie like this. Um, nice choice releasing it on the summer as well. Yeah. Uh, um, and the the director shows uncharacteristic sort of you know skill in manipulating us Uh, a lot of the violence is restrained too going back to the original Halloween other than the Adam Arkin kill which is pretty brutal um, there's a couple that are even off screen we see about to happen the the escape blade to the face is a nice choice but there's the scene where the you know drunken horny college kid because every one of these has to have the drunk horny kid you know it's like reaching down the drain to get the, the bottle opener. And they're, they're showing the knives on the wall. They're showing them reaching into the garbage. They're giving us all of these different ways of how but this But to me, that's the Halloween franchise. And, uh, and it's really well done. And yeah. I've never seen Reiner, you know, necessarily show me that level of craftsmanship. Not before and not since. <laughs> Sorry, brother. I'm just calling it like I see it. But yeah. I'm glad that he showed up to work here. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, getting to the, that awesome third act where it does turn into a full-on action movie. Yeah, she becomes Linda Hamilton or you know Ripley. She like they, yeah. they tore a page out of the of a Jim Cameron sci-fi movie and turned yeah. her into super badass. And 
that may not be as scary. Like, the movie does kind of turn action for the last act. Yeah. But like I said, it is such a satisfying victory for her. And uh, it's such a great win for the character. It's such a great win for the audience. And it really should have been. Spoilers. Michael Myers, who he's supposed to be Michael Myers, yeah. is decapitated by an axe by yeah. Laurie Strode. Yeah. And he's shown, once again, like he's been pinned to a tree by a car. His yeah. body's like obliterated. He's going nowhere. And he's still struggling. He's still trying to, to get it. And uh, there's this awesome little moment of communication where they kind of recognize each other. And we they are almost touch hands. And uh, it, it's all not quite bittersweet, yeah. but like... She knows not to get too close to him. She's not falling for anything, but yeah. she's going to take the life of her brother, and whether or not he's evil, there's there's weight to that. Yeah. So satisfying. Yeah. And so ends the Halloween franchise. Did the you... end, no more movies. Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And I even love the fact, the little homage they do to the end as well, with her breathing instead of Michael doing yeah. that heavy pant, yeah. which is a giant tip of the hat. It should have been the bookend. It's a and, very, very strong ending, and yeah. we could go bravo. And if you want to make more Halloween movies, go ahead. Just restart the franchise, yeah. or like whatever you want to do. But yeah. the Laurie Strode story could not be more satisfying when yeah. drawn to a close. Make it done. Make it done. Anything else you want to say about Water the movie? No. Well, the movie's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a strong entry in the series. Yeah. Again, it's another slasher movie. I, I kind of feel we might be in danger of overhyping it, but it... It's really good at being what it is, and, there, and considering the shit that came before it, yeah. it is a very distinguished entry. There is a side note that I, I wanted to mention, because John Carpenter was first scheduled to come back and direct this movie as well, and I really wish he would have. Steve Miner was late to the game, but the reason why he is, basically the, the studio went no thanks is he asked for $10 million. You want me, pay for me. Yeah, right. and... and the reason, and he knew that he was asking way too much, yeah. but he felt like he had been denied so many royalties with the original Halloween. That was the number he came up with. That is the money that should have been given to him throughout the years because of, of at least the original Halloween being the big box office hit that it was. Kind of a dick move, and I I kind of felt in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, in a way, it would be another way to sell the movie, though, right? Yeah. Twenty years later, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter, Carpenter kind of figured he had their back against the wall. The problem is, is that. The slasher movie genre, even even a twenty years later anniversary edition with the stars, yeah. the idea is a big return on a minimal investment, and you could make. He made the original Halloween for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, for ten million for the director's chair. Yeah, no, of course they're gonna say no. I have to know admit that he. I I have to think that he just didn't want the gig. But he figured he'd do it for 10 mil, you know, because that will finance his next two films. I guess what, what kind of hurts is, be, you know, what he made. That he cared that little, that he didn't want to do it kind of hurts you? Well, not only that, but then what he wanted to make and what he eventually he did up and end up making was Vampires. Yeah. That's the movie you made instead. Like, if he just would have sort of buckled down, grinned and bared it, H2O was a hit. Yep. It, it was a sort of sleeper hit for the summer that it came out. In a time where he kind of needed one, too. Exactly. Can you imagine the credit he would have gotten from that? He could have made a movie that he wanted to. Yeah. He could have made that Nicolas Cage prison movie that you know, up and died on the vine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just seems sort of disappointing that he, he pulled that move. Especially that I, I, I'd like to think that Carpenter's not hurting for money, especially considering all the movies He's of his that a lot. has been remade. And he worked... He's worked a lot. 
I don't know. I thought it was a bad choice. I get it. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of political plays behind the scenes in regard to that movie. I get it. But I guess the little fanboy in me just kind of wish he would have came back. As a rule, I just don't think he's a fan of sequels necessarily. No, he's not. Like, I think that his idea for, like, the Halloween as a series of anthologies would have worked fine if not for the fact that they'd already made Halloween 2. Yeah. Right? Uh, The conceit wasn't a bad one. No. Uh, And uh, the fact that he's not up on necessarily repeating himself, I buy. Like, for instance, the only sequel that he directly made was Escape Escape from from L.A. LA. And I'm sorry, brother, I am not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that that later. later. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to say about H2O? Um, I, I, I love the third act of this movie. The third act, to me, the, the third act is everything about this movie and the, the smackdown that goes on. I love the table throwing scenes where she's underneath. That's that's so well shot. Yeah. I love even the shot where she's walking the hallway with the axe and Michael's essentially been hanging onto the roof yeah. and lowers himself. It's not the most practical hiding spot, and it, it's something yeah. that works visually in a movie more than it would in the real world, but yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. No, it's it's badass. And that ending, when yeah. he is against what a car is, essentially, is, is that what happened? He and he's pinned to a tree, but... And he's reaching out. In the theater, I was like, oh... And this <laughs> poor, is a, poor Michael. Michael. And this is a mass murderer yeah. that we're doing. And just how this movie ends, it, it is such... An ama- what would have been an amazing ending to a series. Yeah. And if they would have ended it here, hands down, I would have said, no doubt, without a doubt, the best slasher series out of all yeah. is the Halloween franchise. But Unfortunately. Um, even if you're just like, if you're a movie fan, you'll like it because yeah. it's a well-made thriller. If you're a horror movie fan, yeah. you got the mother-daughter team of you know Janet Lee and, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, from Psycho and the original Halloween, you got a very respectful referencing <coughs> chapter to the Halloween franchise and a, a yeah. movie that loves horror movies. Yeah. So for horror fans, this is a high bar movie. You so. can tell they had love in this movie. Yeah. They really did, and and, and it I shows. think that was the ingredient that had been missing from some of the previous installments. I agree. You've heard of the tunnel, the one we all go through sooner or later. At the end, there's a door. And waiting for you on the other side of that door is either heaven or hell. This is that door. Hello, Miss Strode. Uh, Did you enjoy your dinner? She hasn't said a word in years. Extreme dissociative disorder. The doctor thinks she's a suicide threat. No, she doesn't stare out that window. God knows what she sees out there. So we can't seem to stop talking about how much we hate fucking Halloween, fucking Resurrection. <laughs> and it's not just that it's a movie that doesn't need to exist. I mean, you could argue that any of the Halloween movies after the first one don't necessarily need to exist. Yeah. It's that on top of not needing to exist, it sucks. 
and that it takes such a hot, wet shit over everything that H2O accomplished. The rest of my review is basically going to be an echo chamber of that. It is not good. It is so not good as to be, like, horrifying. And they got the same director who did Halloween too. He did a fairly respectful, decent sequel of the original Halloween, so he'll do a fairly respectful, decent sequel to H2O, right? Well, you know what you can't fix in post? The script. Yo. And the script was goddamn terrible. And anybody who didn't have, like, anybody with half a brain in their head or any love for the franchise would have read that script and said, yeah, this is a bad idea. But people involved in the franchise read the script and came back. So I'm thinking that maybe they weren't willing to write the $10 million checks the first round, but maybe they were the second. I'm amazed in a lot of ways that Jamie Lee Curtis even did this movie. I know. Considering like what they did with her character in the previous movie. I know. Movie, she was strong and she kicked ass. And in this movie, she's weak and, and she's dead. Broken. Yeah. Everything she loses utterly, like, and, and she gets killed by Michael, and then the movie starts. We lose our main character in the first ten minutes of the movie in a really, like, frustratingly anticlimactic way. I know. And then resurrection begins, and all of our goodwill has been, been really spoiled. It's comparable to the, the great sin that has been discussed before on the podcast of Alien 3. Like, before the, before the movie really yeah. gets going in Alien That's 3. That's a good reference. They... They've killed all of the everything that we loved about the previous movie. They have raped during the opening credits, basically, yeah. Yeah. and that's what this movie accomplishes. Yeah. I mean, uh, and yeah. right there before the movie gets into the business of the suspense and the slash, they have a huge uphill battle because yeah. they have already upset us. Yeah. So you better fucking earn this. And this better be the most amazing no. fucking Michael Myers movie ever. Yeah. You better give us a protagonist the equal or better to Laurie Strode. Yeah. And this, you better justify this. Yes. Because they have to bend over backwards to say how, in such a ridiculous measure that I won't even repeat it here, yeah. how it turns out that it wasn't, in fact, Michael Myers she decapitated. <laughs> it was a fucking ambulance and worker who was apparently indestructible. And, and, yeah. An <laughs> EMT. Yeah. Who, who's basically, who's Adam's apple and, Again, voice it's box. So fucking stupid. I don't. Des- it doesn't deserve to be repeated. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. It's angering. Yeah. Like he was pinned to a tree by a car. His body was crushed. Yeah. And he continued to squirm and and and, and try to get at Laurie Strode. Yeah. Just like the worst kind of retrofit. You yeah. know. He he just he Jason Voorhees, you guys. His yeah. body came back together and he got up because he's indestructible evil. I will take that. Like holy shit. Why bother? Like at, at this point, why even bother explaining the return of Michael Myers? Just have him come back instead of They're the shooting excuse a lamest shit internet reality show in the house. Yeah. That Jason grew up in and committed his initial murders. Yeah. And Jason or fucking Jason, Michael just shows up. Yeah. That would have been, it would have still been dumb and we would have yeah. had some questions, but whatever. It would have been way up. better than, 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 than what we're given. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so much more frustrating that we're then treated to this completely empty cast of characters, none of whom I like. Yeah. Um, actors of note include Tyra Banks, Buster Rhymes, and Katie Sackoff. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I mean, uh, Katie Sackhoff is a decent actress, but I've talked about it in the no, past. She, well, she's redeemed herself. Yeah. With, I've with... talked about it in the past how I get I- irritated by the giggle acting that she can sometimes do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the giggle acting with, with that character, just watch this movie. Yeah. Because uh, that's everything that irritates me about Sackhoff is, is in her characterization here. She's yeah. not always this happily, but yeah. when she is, I can't fucking stand it. I know. Look, look, there, are, there have been very few movies... That have gotten the Lee Beckman "fuck you" award. <laughs> I can think of maybe but a handfuls. And to achieve the "fuck you" award to me, you have to be so fucking terrible that I will walk out, or I'll press stop to the movie, or you unbelievably achieve the cardinal sin of angering me that I will say "fuck off" and have said "fuck, fuck off, off. Exactly. loudly yeah. in a theater. I, I think of Freddie Got Fingered. That was one that achieved that status. Joe Esterhaus, two of his... Jade. <laughs> oh, Jade was one of them where that ended at Rainbow Cinemas, and I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Sliver was another one, so you at least have you're, the honor... You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> Sliver was another one where it ended, and I was like, fuck off. Were you, it's one of those movies where you, you kind of feel like you deserve this because yeah. you watched it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why did I watch this movie? I mean, like, I really liked H2O. What yeah. was the chances that this was going to be like, this is... I was movie. excited to see this movie. I thought, okay, another Halloween movie. H2O was good. It's released in the summer. Nope. Oh. Fuck off, Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> Fuck off that you killed off Jamie Lee Curtis in the first 50 minutes. Fuck off, Jamie Lee Curtis, for saying yes. <laughs> Fuck off that your main character is Busta. Fuck off, Rhymes, <laughs> who's a kung fu loving who... No fucking way. Like, no, I'm putting my foot down. Would my Michael Myers get his ass kicked by a severely wounded Busta, fuck you, fuck off rhymes. <laughs> like, no! Now, instead of Laurie Strode gloriously finally decapitating her enemy after a 20-year lead-up, yeah. Busta Rhymes beats him up in a fist fight. And yeah. that's, how the, that's how the original Halloween series ends. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's how they want us to end. That's yeah. what Halloween Resurrection <laughs> would have us believe yeah. that it ends. And that's why I say, like, H2O is where it ends for me. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't own this movie if not for the fact that it's on the same disc, literally, yeah. as H2O. I know. It's a two-pope. You got it I together. Kn- I know. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a special feature on the disc as, like, an imaginary, you know, crazy tangent universe thing. It yeah. just doesn't fucking exist. This is the movie that makes baby Jesus cry. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it just, it really, really does. I just, wow. Of respect for the audience. The thing is, is that they've learned this lesson before, you know? Yeah. They, twice. Like, they, they, they made part three, which was just way too much of a departure and just not what any of the fans wanted. Yeah. And they, you know, imagine, managed to paint themselves yeah. all the way into the, you know, the curse of Michael Myers, which we described as an unbelievably hot mess. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, that's still canon and still comparatively yeah. watchable. Yeah. Like, this spits in my face. I know. Th- this movie basically tastes like taint. Yeah. I-, I would rather jump on a bike and sever my taint than, <laughs> than watch this again. This is how much this movie angers me. <laughs> okay. Oh. Let's, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to dial it back. Okay. 
if I pretend that we didn't have the investment of all of these other movies, if yeah. this was another slasher movie, yeah. I will say that there's a couple of okay kills. Okay. This is me removing myself objectively, looking to try to find something, you know, other than just jumping up and down on this movie. Sure. There's a scene very early, one of the first kills, the camera operator who's setting up shots in the in the house. Okay. They He used the uh, tripod that he yeah. was using to set up, and he gets stabbed through the throat. Okay. And there was something about that, like, I believed the kill. There was yeah. something really, ugh, ow, that died. Yeah. And for me, personally, and this is, you know, schadenfreude or whatever you want to call it, yeah. because I was so irritated by Katie Sackhoff's character, <laughs> when her head goes tumbling down the staircase, yeah. you're like, Woo! part of me lit up very momentarily. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I know. But at that point, her character is so annoying that, yeah. Yeah, I know. And I don't know whether it was deliberate to, to make basically all the red shirts or the supporting characters so annoying yeah. that you're cheering for Michael. Okay, whatever, fine. But, oh. They, and, and things about it could have worked. Like the fact that it's being broadcast on the interweb and uh, the the producer, Busta Fucking Rhymes, yeah. has a bunch of booby traps in the house to scare the kids, yeah. as part, to make the show interesting, because he's not expecting the legit Michael Myers to show up. In yeah. fact, at one point, he shows up dressed as Michael Myers. Yeah. So you have opportunities for mis- mistaken identity and false scares, yeah. which don't really get exploited very well. Yeah. And then the least successful thing, which could have worked was the one kid who was watching the video feed or who's in love with one of the people in the program and who was able to see that this isn't fake. Yeah. Like, everybody else is just watching this and getting off and seeing that it's entertainment, but there's this one kid who is, this is real and I need to do something and no one will believe me. And if they'd hired an actor or a screenwriter, that might have worked. Yeah. But it doesn't. Yeah. No, it... I just wanted to say those couple of things because yeah. I've ostracized myself in the past for you know yeah. I think it's boring to just say this movie shit this movie shit this movie shit the actors for the most part showed up and did the, the job that was asked of them yeah. I do not think Buster Rhymes is an actor so I think he was hired for his personality yes. so I will you know I will give him a pass but everybody else did the script and did the work. No, I mean, know? people people showed up and hit their mark and said their lines and whatever. Yeah. There was I, bad shadows. Rosenthal obviously can direct a movie. I looked at his filmography and found it interesting that he was full of movies that I'd forgotten existed. Yeah. Like Ruskies and Distant Thunder. Yeah. I, I remember that those movies existed, but until I read them about a couple hours ago... I'd forgotten them entirely. I guess it's also kind of lame that he homages his own Halloween movie at one point. If right. you remember Tyra Banks, she also slips in a giant pool of blood and that's that is right. that is that's her demise. I just at that point I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh." Like you're you're referencing you know, a movie that was the, the sequel. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I would argue though that even if the movie once it came in if they didn't have Buster Rhymes if yeah. they had a better screenplay if like the tangents that did work the false scares did work yeah. and the guy watching outside did work and then we added a sort of a B storyline that, that had some energy to it yeah I still think that because of that introduction because oh, of the undoing yeah. of the of H2O and the yeah. killing of Laurie Strode we would have hated the movie yeah it, I no, think that I they agree. shat the bed no matter what yeah Get fucking Stanley Kubrick, get Steven Spielberg to direct the rest of the movie. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The second they made that decision, yeah, it was done. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I I totally agree. It was such a bad choice 
they I hope it was worth it. Like maybe Jamie Lee got a new house out of this deal. I don't know what it was. Even again, but they, as as a fan, yeah, it offended me. Like I was so angry when I walked out of that movie theater. But that 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 first fifteen minutes was just wrong from the get go. And even as the credits ro- rolled, like the opening credits rolled, and we're at this part, I'm like, uh oh, this doesn't feel right. Even if you're going to kill her, I've said it before in these podcasts on Halloween, just make it count. Yeah. There was something about the way that she died and said, I'll see you in hell, that almost seemed like she was throwing in a towel. Yeah. And that's not the Laurie Strode and I know. And that's just not, I mean, it's not just that it's not how we want it to end. It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what resurrection is. It is a bowel movement gone wrong. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it's, it is the poop that hurts, yeah. that when it eventually comes out, you are so upset about. It just, ah. Even ah. if I was to agree that the Friday the 13th franchise has some pretty deep valleys and some pretty poor decisions made and, like, whatever, yeah. I think this movie alone, for me, yeah. is why Friday the 13th as a franchise will always be better. As bad as some of the corners in Friday the 13th get, nothing offended me in the, quite the same way as Halloween Resurrection. But here's my argument. Because so much joy was, was put into H2O at this point, because it, it's followed up with such an awful smack they in the face. They had all the momentum. They <laughs> had all the momentum. I just sort of think at that point, the Halloween franchise was put back to a level of credibility that the Friday the 13th and even the Nightmare on Elm Street had led long since abandoned at this point. Yeah. Now, I know like the Friday the 13th series has made a lot of money. That that reboot did really well. Um, but it, it, it just sort of seemed that H2 really brought it back to such a level of, of awesomeness and respectability yeah. for a slasher franchise, yeah. mind you, that I thought, you know what? Here we go. And honestly, if it would have ended... No doubt in my mind yeah. that if H2 was the last film, it would be like, yeah, no. Halloween's the better series. It is. It is. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird, like, because with H2O, they had two really decent options. It could yeah. basically be, that is a very satisfactory ending to a fairly satisfactory slasher franchise. Yeah. Or it is the gateway to a new era in yeah. Halloween. And On- because of Resurrection. Tula. <laughs> It was neither. I know. They just should have brought Michael back and that's it. Like, a, an honest-to-God reboot. Don't explain Michael coming back. Honestly, I, I, I did like that idea, that, that script that we'll probably never ever see made to fruition, that ha- the Halloween Returns, where he, he just shows up in a psych ward and he's captured. People will buy it at this point. Not Don't, don't, don't explain H2O. It was just it, bad. No. Bad decision. Bad, bad, bad people, bad people, and bad Harvey Weinstein. And this is comes back to my question about Mustafa Akan because he's still alive. He is dead after this movie is released. Six months later, he's dead. He's blown up in Jordan with his daughter oh, no. in a terrorist attack. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that's how he died. Yeah, he d- died in the hotel lobby. Hmm. Die. His daughter died instant instantaneously. He died two days later from the wounds. May he rest in peace. But friend or foe, don't answer it yet. I want you to. I want us to answer this at the end. Mm-hmm. But he went on the record saying, "If you're going to keep on going back to the well of Michael Myers, you have to explain this character, the the origin, why he's all this stuff." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
I hold well, it responsible. You get you're fucked either way, right? If, yeah. If you go keep it simple, you're repeating yourself. And yeah. And if you try something new, you've strayed too far away, right? Yeah. It's not as easy as it would seem. Yeah. Oh, but I know. I know. If anything, the Weinstein's and definitely Mustafa Card is just probably guilty of wanting their goose to keep laying golden eggs yeah. long after. And I know. And, and you know what? I get that. Yeah. I get it. I guess I it just considering how much fun H two O was. It's you made this. And it was literally once again, and it's the same mistake they had with number five, that they had such a hit in their hands that they rushed production and raced right ahead, and you can totally tell that they... Money, money, money. Yeah, I know. It just... I, I can't stress it enough. I, I like, in the interest of like getting towards the wrapping up the review, I would say, upon concluding this review of Halloween Resurrection, not only do I not imagine a scenario where I would watch it again, as I said before... It doesn't exist. Yeah. It just honestly doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, I would encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to not watch it. Even, like, completed exactly. the franchise. I, 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 I want to warn you folks that if you were a lover of the series, especially you young people that come to this series and, and, and you are a fan, I... Uh, <sighs> To a completist, maybe, but you will be angered, like, and you will be thoroughly disappointed. If you want to watch a slasher movie that has sex and violence, great. There's plenty of them to choose from. Yeah. Uh, by this point, you know, we have some affection for the series, and there's more energy to it because of the previous movie, and uh, it was terrible. It was yeah. beyond terrible. Yeah. It's the bottom. Tonight's brutal murders was described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness. Three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 15 years. This summer, Rob Zombie unleashes a unique vision of a legendary tale I understand why they chose Rob Zombie okay I understand why like as a meal as, as a uh, to sell tickets <clears throat> we're gonna reinvent Halloween we're gonna remake Halloween and they've already got a bad reputation you know yeah, yeah. But Rob Zombie, as much as like I, I keep giving him negative reviews, while yeah. I give him negative reviews, I keep saying he's an immensely talented filmmaker. Therein lies the rub. Yeah, and I, I I stay true with this too. I like watching this Halloween movie. This is a filmmaker. I would I, I am way more of a fan of Rob Zombie the filmmaker than I am of Rob Zombie the musician. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of good things to be said about this Halloween. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it comes down to taste. A matter of personal taste. Yeah. <clears throat> I said this when I reviewed The Devil's Reject. Yeah. I think it was a really well-made movie. Yeah. And he had a very specific thing that he wanted to emulate and, and a vibe that he wanted to present, and he did it well. But I don't like that particular vibe. Well, The Devil's Rejects is is basically his remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a grunge too. movie, but I'm talking well, about no. his aesthetic. Yeah, I know. His I know. aesthetic. And like, it's, yeah. The Tarantino-esque dialogue... The sort of rednecky characterization, Texas rednecky thing that 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 basically it's in all of his movies, yeah. and this is no exception. Yeah, I, I keep on using the wannabe Tarantino, and it, it's both 
like kind of an uh, it's it's a compliment and an insult simultaneously because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it is pretty good like the even scenes that are extemporaneous sometimes are entertaining because of how they're written or how he chooses to execute or the colorfulness of the characters mm-hmm. but I'm usually I, I just have a different set of tastes I would make different decisions like I said if I was hired to make a remake of Halloween yeah this is not how I would have approached it yeah but with this take, with this approach, yeah. I think he does interesting, good things. Yeah. It's just not how I would have chosen to do it. And consequently, I'm not 100% on board with his remake. Yeah. But I will say that I think it's worth a look. Yeah. I will say if you like slasher movies, it's worth a watch. I yeah. think if you like the original Halloween, it is not disrespectful. Per se. But uh, it's a different animal entirely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What's frustrating about both Zombie and this remake is, and you said it, you said it earlier that Rob Zombie is a talented filmmaker. One of his strengths is that he does screen violence really, you believe really, really well. It's painful. It's bone crunching. It's disturbing. It it's it's basically that element of it is what the Halloween franchises needed in this modern day and age, and it comes back to once again the use of suspense with the violence in the original Halloween. Back to that closet scene, there there are moments in this remake that it is it is shocking and powerful. Um, in the director's cut, uh, and also. When I first saw this, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to admit this, I saw the work print that was leaked online. Okay. Uh, and in the, both the work print and the director's cut, and you can get the work print on DVD now too, you can order it. Michael Myers at one point kills, uh, what's his name from Dawn of the Dead original, who is right. basically... Right, in the bathroom stall. Yeah, and basically takes him and slams him ruthlessly numerous times against the bathroom stall. And the wall is literally bent. That is a really good scene, and there are really good scenes in this in this reboot remake of Reimagining. Halloween. Yeah. yeah, the violence in this movie is effective. That opening death when the young Michael Myers beats that kid to death, yeah. and how it's cut, where the cut it, it cuts to basically these sort of swooping shots of the trees while we hear the beating going on. That's really well done, and it's disturbing. The deaths hurt. Yeah. Like, in a way that we haven't seen in these movies. A lot of the 80s slashers, you kind of hit one end of the other. Yeah. There was the slashers that really seemed to roll up their sleeves and, like, enjoy the visceral violence. Yeah. And then there was the more Friday the 13th Halloween approach, where they were shockingly violent, but usually fairly quick. Yeah. You get get stabbed in the face, you twitch a little bit, you fall over, you're dead, you know? Or they see the axe coming down, but we don't necessarily always see the point of impact. Yeah. And people seem to die fairly quick deaths. Rob Zombie's not about that. People yeah. struggle. We see them trying to escape. We see them die. Or Daniel Harris in this movie, eh? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's like that is a strength. Yeah. We feel the death on everybody. Like it's it's handled seriously. Yeah. Like a person just died and, and we feel the weight of it. Yeah. And that is to the movie's credit. Yeah. I go back to my, again, it's it's a personal thing. I just think that what works for me about Halloween, what I always connected to was, in the original Halloween, Michael Myers was called The Shape. Yeah. After, the, after he we kills... we know very little about him. That's right. One day, that little boy who was Michael Myers on Halloween 
just snapped and turned into the shape. And from that day forward, apropos of fucking nothing, as far as we know at that point, he's just this evil kid. Yeah. And Rob Zombie was all obsessed about answering the why. Yeah. He wanted to take the monster out of the shower, shadows, shine a light on us, and show us why. Yeah. So he had a redneck family upbringing, and his mom's nice, but she's trying, but it's, you know, she's with the wrong man. She works at a strip club. It's yeah. a toxic environment that is around him. Yeah. And he is, you know, not given as much attention as he needs, and yeah. he's slipping, slipping, slipping. Slipping, slipping, and then he Finally, slips. he snaps. Yeah. The thing is, though that makes us more connected to him emotionally, it makes me less scared of him. Well, yeah, no, and I, once again, I agree. I think one thing that made Michael Myers so terrifying, especially in the original, is we get, we get the idea that the Myers family in the original was at least, and maybe not, obviously not well-to-do, but was your sort of common working class family, sort of sweet-natured. And Michael most likely got raised at that point, at least as a, you know, pretty well. He wasn't beaten or anything. And he just snapped for no reason. That idea for having some kid for, for no explanation, no reason given that he just snaps and becomes the personification of evil, that's terrifying. So when we, when we get that explained that, you know, he came from a bad family and then he, he never really had a chance. Yeah, it's taken away. I mean... We do root for him, and the scenes with Michael McDowell yeah. in the hospital, once again, are so well acted. Um, but the first third of the movie is Michael Myers, you know, becoming Michael Myers. By the time he puts the mask on and starts hunting the teenagers, I felt like I've already watched a movie. Yeah. And not the movie that I came to see. Honestly, you take out the bit with the family, because it really isn't needed. And and really start that movie in the cycle. Start with Laurie Strode. Michael Myers escapes from the psych road, and Laurie Strode is uh, living in Haddonfield and not knowing what danger she's in. Okay, but you know what? But then you're just really doing a remake Mm -hmm. of Halloween. I thought, if you're going to do new material, explore more the relationship of Dr. Loomis, and at this point played by Malcolm McDowell, whose choices are interesting. I think it's more just, it's Malcolm McDowell being Malcolm McDowell. Well, it's Malcolm McDowell filtered through the language of Rob Zombie. And, you know, it's weird because when he's dropping these zingers and, and, you know, it seems out of character for him. But much like it's very good analog to Donald Pleasance, you know, yeah. this is not something that, that McDowell sought out. This was a job he got hired for. Yeah. And you want to pay for Malcolm McDowell, Malcolm McDowell is going to do whatever he can to sell your script. That is his job. And I think during the making of this movie, he became legitimately friendly with Rob Zombie and, uh, oh, yeah. and you know, was all on board to continue on. Oh, no. But I think initially it was a job. No, yeah. Oh, no. He got hired. He, they went to him and he said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I just look at, at, you know, at the persona of Michael Madal where he just has one of those faces and voices and had been has played villains numerous times before. Almost that, too many times, yeah, really. Yeah, that the decision for him to play Dr. Loomis, I think, was not the right choice. I I get the fact that this is a reimagining and you're open to interpretation and not so much in this one, but in the second one, they really let loose that he is this sort of... No, they fuck him up in the sequel. Ambulance chasing kind of scumbag. Some of it's there. I mean, he's more sympathetic in this one and the scenes with him and the young Michael Myers are really, really good. Yeah. Um, But yes, the, the redneck aesthetic that that Ron Zombie has is 
it it's a wrong choice for me. Uh, I just don't think it works. It it makes the film dirtier than it, it needs to be. It pads the film too. Like, yeah. like this is two hours and two minutes. So I think that I watched the director's cut. I think it's two hours and two minutes something in that ballpark. Yeah. And uh, I honestly think streamlining it would help it a lot too. Yeah. It's like a real big feast of a movie, and I think it just needed to maybe know what it was a little bit. I think he's trying to make like an Oscar-worthy slasher movie, and maybe like that's commendable. But no, it, well, uh, I mean. It's it's a slasher movie, you know. In some levels, you don't need to overthink it too much either. Yeah, I know. Look, I like Rom Zombie. I really do. I, I will defend The Devil's Rejects. I, I understand its criticisms. You have some points with it, but I do think he was on the right path with it's The Devil's. It's a very well made bad movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, it, it, it. I thought he had something here, and. I think whoever did agree to make this movie, because I'm sure they had other people besides Rob Zombie, but he had just come off the hit, at least the financial hit, uh, of The Devil's Rejects, you know, and the Weinsteins controlled his contract. They said, hey, let's and do it. And I how... was interested to see what Rob Zombie would oh, do. Yeah. That's, what I, that's the, the sort of frustrating thing. Like, yeah. I didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses, no, but, but I was like, I, I'd watch another Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. And then I watched The Devil's Rejects. I didn't like that a lot, but like he's a good filmmaker. One of these days, man. <laughs> what he needs is he needs a very strong producer. And, he and a script be... that he has not written, Correct. but that is that is kick-ass. And the I producer says, to look. shop for a script. Yeah. And say, look, do you want to make a hit movie that's going to give you 10 years of making whatever the, the movie you fucking want? Here's this kick-ass script. I'm hiring you for specific reasons, but you are not going to fight me on this. Let's go. Rob Zombie needs his sixth sense. Yeah. You can make this amazing horror movie that will be universally loved and everybody will say, awesome. Yeah. And then he can go on to make a bunch of art wank Lord of Salem horror movies yeah. that have diminishing returns. Yeah. But I wait anxiously for his horror masterpiece because I think he has one in him. I, I agree. I agree. He needs a strong producer to tell him no. Yeah. And the studio to say no on some of his decisions. Yeah. Um, uh, that, but if if they do that, I think he can. He has the power to deliver a horror classic. When the movie works, and again, I didn't. The first third of the movie, I was just was. I mean, they, like I said, the kills were strong, but the fact that they set him up to be a sympathetic character does not jive with him becoming the source of evil. No. Later on in the movie, when he kills the Danny Trejo character, for instance. That's, you see, that, that like, whole relationship's good. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if we are to believe that, you know, he's been driven crazy because of who he was and that this is revenge on the world for, you know, what all has been done to him, yeah. why would he kill the one person in the world who was decent to him? Yeah. You know, there is no morality to him. So trying to give him a soul only to, you know, dismiss it didn't have weight for me. What was uh, but the stuff that works is when we get to Haddonfield and he starts fucking shit up, D. Wallace suffers a miserable death at oh, the hands God, of yeah. Michael Myers. Oh. And it's just like, oh, no. no yeah. <laughs> but D. I Wallace. emotionally reacted to it. Not just because I love D. Wallace, just but, because, like, this guy's here to kill her daughter. She knows it. And she dies not knowing that her daughter's going to be safe. Yeah. And she dies badly oh, with yeah. glass sticking out of her fucking face, yeah, right? No. And I was I like, know. that hurt. That was like, ugh. Yeah. And like that was one of the more like scary Michael Myers moments. And he was strong too. This wasn't like hiding in the shadows or, or sneaking up behind you. He was full force 
boom. Yeah. Death. I, I deal death. Another thing that I do like about Rob Zombie is he knows his horror movies, especially the 80s and 70s horror movies. This film is marinated with horror movie stars. Not You mentioned Dee Wallace. Yep. Uh, what's her name from Howling 2? I want Sybil, whose name currently escapes me. Dwayne Jones from the... Or not Dwayne Jones. Uh, what's his face from Dawn of the Dead, who we've already forgotten once. Yeah, yeah, but but but, but, but there's also... There's a nurse in, in Halloween who gets killed by Michael Myers. It's Sybil somebody. Right. Or, like, I want to say Sybil Danning might be her name, but it could be wrong. Anyways, she's in there, and she has a brief scene, and she's quite good. Um, there's a lot of... You know, little cameos that make me smile. Yeah. Also, the casting of Tyler Maine as Michael Myers. He's as like fucking seven feet tall. He's it, a huge Michael Myers. Very good choice. Yeah. Very good choice. That's one thing that I think that Zombie got right. So, moi on that. I think what frustrates me about Halloween, and I think anyone who was going to take this mantle, it was a no-win situation. Oh, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, no. There was no way that this movie was going to be ultimately good. I, I, well, it could not beat the original. Yeah. So all it could do was either try to distinguish itself, which in his, to his credit, he tried to do. He tried to make this his own movie. Yeah. And like I respect that he... I know, that's the yeah. thing. Um, I just like, again, it was just I would have made different decisions. Uh, I, I'm not even saying it's a bad movie. I just like... It, it's, a, it's a decent slasher movie. I just separated in my mind from Halloween. It's like, it's a, it's a good slasher movie. If it was called, you know... The night he came to town, <laughs> instead of Halloween, I might be liking it more just because I didn't have the context of the yeah. original. Um, but it is Halloween, and it is Rob Zombie's Halloween, and it is the much better of the two <laughs> Rob Zombie Halloween movies, I will argue. Is it? <laughs> I will argue that it is, Okay. Yes. <laughs> There's one thing I want to talk about here, and that's the final battle sequence inside the house that, you know, that granted we had in the original, but in the, in the remake... It goes on for so long. Beating our way up through the walls. And the smackdown. Yeah. yeah, the smackdown that goes on. Bigger is just not always equal better. It yeah. really, like, I think it's almost half an hour. I could be wrong. I remember when I was watching this kind of going, looking at the time. It's not, maybe 15 minutes is what it was. Well, it's, it's long. It's almost a genre thing to me. Like, I honestly think with movies... Bare bones horror movie, slasher movie, monster movie, yeah. or like your your typical rom com. Yeah, hundred minutes. It's yeah. part of the deal. Yeah, if you overstay your welcome, it just starts to sag. It's just yeah. you know, get yeah. in, get out, tell your story. Yeah, as efficiently and as entertainingly as you can, and yeah. and keep it with that. When yeah. you add that extra half an hour of padding to it, yeah, especially to something that's as familiar as a slasher movie, the yeah. time does seem to be stretched out. Going back to some of the good decisions he made. Yeah. I love that Daniel Harris's character survives the movie. Yeah. She has a really vicious attack, but the human body can sometimes surprise you. And, like, despite being, you know, savagely uh, attacked, uh, she manages to pull through. And, and it's such a rare thing in the horror movies. It's only the survivor girl is allowed yeah. to survive. Sometimes the boyfriend, but typically just the one girl, the altruistic girl, will, 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 will survive. Yeah. And I liked it. The other interesting thing is, like, Daniel Harris has become this modern scream queen, which yeah. is interesting because she was in so many of the Halloween movies. Yeah. But I have this sort of similar thing because I, I, I associate her with those earlier Halloween movies. It's sort of weird to see me, her with her tits out for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's hundreds of thousands of boys out there who would disagree with me. 
I remember seeing Daniel Harris in that at the time good, now terrible Last Boy Scout movie. Yeah. And I thought she was great as Bruce Willis's daughter. And I just sort of felt like I grew up with her. So like yeah. I don't know. Oh no, I I freely admit I had a little bit of a boy crush on her. Yeah. I like the I, I like Matthew McDowell's take on it. It's it's not the same as Donald Pleasance. He's not constantly being the voice of doom. You know, he's yeah. he's just earnestly trying to help and it's a fairly straight likable, somewhat heroic performance. And they're going to undo that in the next movie. <laughs> well, here's another thing. Like, he does die in Halloween. Well, he has his head crushed pretty substantially. That's, that's the, that was something that I that made me confused about Halloween, too, because I'm pretty sure that his eyes are bulging out of his skull by the yeah. end of this well, movie. Well, I was going to mention it in the second one, but I can just mention it now. But yeah. uh, he and, and Rob Zombie are, like, legit friends. And, yeah. like, Rob Zombie's like, someone's going to make Halloween too. Uh, I might as well do it because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, if it's shit, it'll be my shit, right? Yeah. And so part of the deal was it would be an excuse to work with McDowell again. So all of a sudden, sudden retrofit, McDowell's character is still alive. But the first time we see him, he makes reference to the fact that he still has headaches and uh, yeah. suffers to this day because of the injuries. But yeah. it's it's so clear that his skull is being crushed in the first movie that it's it's sort of shoved off to the side it's like yeah he's still alive yeah yeah but yeah anyway one thing Uh, we'll get to part two in a minute but is there anything else you want to say about uh, another thing i really liked about uh this reboot is basically michael near the end of this movie basically traps laurie strode played by scout taylor thomas i think her name is um scout well, we'll, we'll in call the her pool, you mean, in the yeah in the empty pool. I thought that was a nice touch mm-hmm. that made me kind of go okay, even with the use of music. Yeah, um, I it's, do. It's I, an, an interesting little suburban trap to be in. Yeah, that I hadn't really thought of before. I I thought that that was a pretty uh, nice little decision. Look, it's frustrating because I wanted I was cheering for Rob Zombie for this in a lot of ways because I thought here's a talented person. You are taking on the great white whale in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. there are some movies that just shouldn't be remade. Halloween was one of them. Respect, brother. Respect. Yeah. Like I, I get. Yeah. It. So I get it that it was not going to be easy. Yeah. So the the fact that you had the balls to take this on, I, it was kind of like good for you because there you were lining up to be tarred and feathered by a lot of people, yeah. even traditionalists. And you know what? This remake isn't. It isn't terrible. It isn't boring. And it isn't boring. And yeah. it isn't poorly made. Yeah. I look at fucking remake after remake. There's such shit. Did you see the remake to The Fog? Oh, yeah. Good God. Yawn. You know, like, <laughs> so many of the remakes are terrible. And this yeah. remake isn't terrible. But I know. in the true nature of remakes, it's not 100% necessary. I know. And it's just not close when you hit, to the when, source When you material. hit the halfway point, it is essentially a remake of Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I said, it's frustrating because there's, there's things that you kind of go, yeah... And the strength that Rob Zombie has carries over into the second. We'll we'll get to that because there's some. I really do think he's also a good director with actors. Mm-hmm. He can get amazing performances out of his actors. Not so much in this one. I mean, there's some good ones, and I do like Malcolm McDowell somewhat in this movie. Um, I I think another shout out needs to go to Brad Dourif. Maybe oh my, not. He's really good. Yeah, like. It, in it's, both of them, who's it, really it good. starts off in this, but we'll it'll segue into the second one. I think he gets some really good performances. He gets a really good performance out of Daniel Harris in both of them. 
I believe her pain yeah. <laughs> when she is lying on the floor and her shirt is ripped open and there's blood all over and she is like howling. She screams for Lori to get out. Yeah, get out. No, like, no, it's it's visceral. It's nasty. It's authentic. It's brutal. And it makes you love her character. We already liked her character. Yeah. But the fact that as far as she knows, she's using her dying breath to tell Lori to get away. Yeah. 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 And again, there's some really fucking strong moments in this movie. And yeah. I wouldn't tell anyone not to watch it. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm mixed. It's I mixed know. Thing. I know. That's it. I know. I killed him. I killed him. Who'd you kill, sweetie? Who'd you kill? So it was that we come to the 10th and so far, as of the, this date, the last Halloween movie, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Yep. I've already reviewed this movie, and uh, so I, I will put the ball somewhat near court, but much like I did when we started with the original Halloween. Yep. When I did the first review, which was also quite lengthy with my friend Jeremy, yeah. Uh, there's a couple things that I that I'd failed to mention at the time that I guess I will mention here. Okay. As far as moments that I just or things that really bothered me. Okay. Um, Michael Myers for the first and last time in the series actually speaks a line of dialogue in this movie. Yes, I can't remember the line though. I can't remember it off my top of my head either. I think that was the first and most disrespectful decision that. Rob Zombie made between the two movies. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple That's of... That's one of those things akin to Judge Dredd taking his mask off, or yeah. like, it's just, it, it crossed the line. Yeah. You don't do it. Yeah. And in all of my hand-wringing and, and complaining about the craziness and the tangential nature and the ridiculously long dream sequences that we're subjected to in this movie, yeah. I managed to miss that note. Yeah. And I wanted to mention it there. No, there's... there's... And the other thing that I wanted to mention is that through all of my ravings, it's a well-made movie. I like. I, I kind of. I, I was wagging my finger pretty severely the first time I did it. it. Again, much like the first Halloween that he made, it is well put together. Yeah. I think that the script is substantially worse. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about H two, as it's sort of dubbed. If we're gonna call it because it's different than Halloween two. The first time I saw this movie, I rented it, the DVD, and hated it. Right. Hated it with a passion. It was originally on the Fuck You Award list <laughs> um, because it is not a Halloween movie. I mean, yes, we've got Michael Myers. Yes, we've got Laurie Strode and Sheriff Brackett, th- the same characters. But it's like, in a lot of ways, Rob Zombie didn't want to make a Halloween movie, so he didn't. Yeah. And there are some cardinal sins that he makes in this movie one of of course is that Michael Myers speaks, which is no, that that is not yeah. the Michael I know. He kills a carload of people and it's not Halloween yet. Yeah. Another thing that is against the cardinal rule is and I know that Michael Myers takes off his mask in other movies, 
but he spends the most of it, it ha- half of it without a mask and then we clearly see his face and that he is this bearded redneck so much so that even in the climax you know the helicopter light shines upon it and we see it no i think that rob zombie wanted him to be a human being a fully fleshed fully realized human being okay but then but that's a mistake because yeah. Michael Myers has an element of supernatural to him. And yeah. uh, Especially... when you made him a man, when you gave him a soul and a heart, yeah. uh, I think you took away some of the scary. Yeah. And uh, you kind of replaced it, especially in this case, with a lot of pretentiousness. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what, on a pale horse imagery? Yes. Yeah, there's this whole... There, the, the, I don't like the supernatural element that occurs in, in, in this movie where we've he's, got Sharon Moon Zombie, who I think... psychic but not invincible. Yeah. He'll push the supernatural so far as to say he can have psychic powers. Yeah. But not that he can, you know... And then so much so forever. that we've got basically this supernatural element that can physically hurt people. Where in, in the climax of the movie, and I guess we're jumping right to the climax right away, where they've got I think Glory Stroll, all of the players in one little house, in one in one farmhouse, that the supernatural entity of Sherry Moon Zombie, aka Michael Myers' mother, is physically holding down Laurie Strode. Or is Laurie just mad? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess so. But that's what we're meant to believe that. She's being beaten by this somewhat psychic spectral, you know, presence. Yeah. I well, call BS on. And here's my theory: I don't think that the, these bad decisions were being made. And again, I've been saying a lot of nice things about Rod Zombie, and I'm saying a few nice, less nice things here. Yeah. I think that he chose to bro- bring Malcolm McDowell back because he liked Malcolm McDowell and yeah. wanted to work with him again. Yeah. Not because it made sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that he brought his wife back. Because he likes working with his wife, and Terry yeah. Moon Zombie needs to work, and not because it was going to be helpful to the script. Yeah. So right when he when he sat down from the computer, cracked his knuckles, and wrote Halloween Two. Yeah. He was already you know coming into it, padding it with two superfluous characters. Yeah. And in so I think that he undid, and I said this when I reviewed it before, two of my favorite decisions that he made in the first movie. Yeah. Doctor Loomis was not you know, the same Loomis we had before. He was more of a straight-up hero, likable protagonist. Yeah. And in the second movie, he becomes an asshole, soul, sellout, you know, if, you know, hard to listen to, hard to put up with yeah. scoundrel, and I don't like him anymore. Yeah. And in the first movie, we had, you know, Daniel Harris, the best friend character, who's set up to die, live. Yeah. And in the second movie... She gets killed. Yeah, but she gets killed really well. Well, I mean, we have a lot of impact in it. That was the the gut punch that the movie had, and it was yeah. his only card to play, really, in a lot yeah. of ways. So he had to play it. Like, yeah. I knew she was going to die, oh, but it, God, it still yeah, bugged yeah. me that she died. And not just because I like the character, and it sucks that she survived one horrible attack only to die a couple years later. But, you know, it just felt like, no, that was like the one good thing that you did last time. And, like... I liked McDowell the first pass. I don't like him here. I liked Sherry Moon Zombie the first time. I don't like her here. You know, it's like the decisions that he made to keep the family together and make a a good experience for him making the movie hurt the movie. This movie is schizophrenic in its quality. (laughs) It, It really is because there's some things that really, really work and there are other decisions that are horribly wrong. This movie, it the logic is 
bug fuck crazy. It is amazeballs crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have a scene in this movie with two EMTs. Dro- no, are the EMTs? They're, 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 no, they're essentially some sort of. I don't know. They're cadaver. They're driving the cadavers, cadavers. back to the Hollywood. Uh, of Hollywood. Hollywood, back to the hospital. Of I Michael can't Myers. Speak. We've been talking for too long. Yeah, yeah. And they have this really graphic conversation of about necrophilia that is so repulsive. Yeah. And then halfway through this really repulsive, disgusting conversation, we have the line of cow, cow. Cow, boom, like really out of nowhere. And you can't help but giggle at it. And then we have a a scene of sheer brutality where Michael Myers wakes up and literally saws off one of these actors' heads. It's one of these weird quality... Well... I, in the, in it was, its defense, it's bizarre. It is. It is just the de- decision making is bizarre. In its defense, I mean, I think that we were meant to be surprised by the cow, and we yeah. were. Oh yeah. He he tried to surprise us, and he did success, right? Yeah. Uh, but that conversation, that exchange that you were talking about, is sort of right away, right off the top of the movie. Everything I don't like about the Rob Zombie aesthetic, right? Yeah. yeah. So here we go again. Yeah. What bothers me more than that is that, like, that scene was just unnecessary. It could have been a plot point that Mike Myers got away. They spent 10 minutes on that. Yeah. 10 minutes at least. And then we have the 20 minute dream sequence. Yeah. Where it's basically just paying homage to Halloween 2. You get the feeling like he liked Halloween 2, but wasn't going to directly make that movie. Yeah. So that this huge dream sequence that happens at the beginning of the movie that eats up almost the first quarter of the movie ridiculously. Yeah. Was just nothing but. Remember Halloween 2? Pretty good movie, huh? Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this yeah, Halloween the dream two. sequence is so bad. It is such a bad choice. You cut that introduction, yeah. uh, you cut that dream sequence, and you cut like the, the bulk of the stuff with Sherry Moon Zombie. This movie is 90 minutes long and better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, that, that dream sequence, once again, is one of those slaps, slaps in the face and personally deserves a fuck you. And it has a fucking amazing Michael Meyer hyper kill in it. Yeah. Octavia Spencer's character. Oh, it's like so brutal death. Good. And if I know. it was like the actual movie, I would say, yeah, that's like a totally awesome Mike. But none of this counts. The yeah. movie hasn't even started yet. Yeah. Over a half an hour movie happens before the movie starts. Yeah. Well, here's something that you could argue is that the fact when the movie starts with Laurie Strode walking down the street screaming in pain. Right. That could, in theory, be real. That maybe she wakes up after she's had the surgery, and that's the dream. That's what. That's when the dream sequence occurs. But at the same time, you could also make the argument that the first half an hour of this movie is one long dream sequence. Yeah. In the first Halloween remake, uh, the Scout Taylor Thompson character, Thomas character, whatever her name is Thompson. Yeah. Uh, She's a victim, and she's sort of a real teenager, right? Yeah. In this movie, they consciously make it quite different. She's suffering from post-traumatic stress. Yeah. She's turned into a Rob Zombie groupie. Yeah. Right? She totally looks like <laughs> like a 90s grunge girl, lost in time. Yeah. And she's a bitch. Yeah. And, like, I get that she's wounded and that her life has been fucked up and that she'd suffered trauma. But, but she's you know what? very unsympathetic. So did her best friend. Yeah. And so did the police officer that Brad Dorff's playing, who's, yeah. like, dedicating his life to looking after her and helping her lick her wounds. And again, much like the first movie, I kind of liked her in the second movie. In spite of the fact that there was good, legitimate reasons for her to be fucked up, yeah. I didn't like what a bitch that she was. She's you know? very unsympathetic. 
And, like, the only time she's nice to people is when they're bleeding out in front of her. Other than that, she's just too fucking cool and doesn't have the time for them. Yeah. You're talking about the cool cameos that he likes to put in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's great that you got Dr. Johnny Fever in your movie. Yeah. What the fuck is that scene doing there? Yeah. It's indulgent and unnecessary. Yeah. And no. if you lost every scene that was indulgent and unnecessary in the movie, like I said, it would be very streamlined. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. As, as big a mess as it is, though, I think it's a, one of the better made Halloween movies of the franchise. I know. I know. Um, I do want to talk about um, my man here, Mr. Academy Award-nominated Brad Dourif. Right. In the midst of this muck of a movie is a really amazing performance. He's the tragic hero of these two movies. Yeah, he really is in a lot of ways. The, scene, the dinner scene, and this is right before all the chaos really goes down with the two girls, both Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor Thomas, that he has where he's eating pizza. You believe that this character truly, honestly cares for these young women. Yeah. And that he's there's... He's dedicated his life to protecting him. And there is and a... he yeah, fails. Yeah. And there is a really good human being. That scene at the dinner table is really, really good. It's really well edited, shot, acted, everything. And it's led by Brad Dourif. The scene where he discovers his daughter yeah. is so good. And once again, it's a combination of Brad Dourif bringing it and the really good use of edit and sound. You have and actually ro- flashed images of young Daniel Harris because she's been an actress for so long. Well, not only that, but her death scene. Yeah. We see more, we hear, not see, we hear more of her death scene as he starts to break down and then no sound and we see him ball. That is a very good device, a very good trick to use. And it shows that that Rob Zombie understands how to emotionally manipulate you and he knows how to give, you know, by taking away things, accent all of the great stuff that Brad Dourif is giving you. Yeah. Again, I have nothing but respect for Rob Zombie. But I know. He keeps on making movies that disappoint me. I know. I you know. know. I, I know. Will, I, again, I, I dislike more of his movies than I like. Or I mean, that's that's severe. I I wouldn't recommend all of his movies more than the movies that I do recommend. Yeah. But I'm always down to watching the next Rob Zombie I movie. Know. Because like I said before... He's got an amazing horror movie in him, and I will sit here and wait patiently for it to come. I know. Halloween 2 is not it. And I, I cannot agree with you that it's better than the first. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I respect the fact that he swung for the fences. Right. Because basically what the Weinsteins did is they rolled up to his house with a big truckload of money and said, Okay, Rob, you have creative control. Give me a sequel to your Halloween. Yeah. And he went... I can do anything, right? Yeah. I don't really want to do another Halloween movie, but it's going to be called Halloween 2. Okay. And yes, there's a lot of pretentiousness in this movie. The whole, even the whole philosophical blurb at the beginning of the movie about the the white horse, the dictionary thing. But again, if you need to you know explain your themes that implicitly at the beginning of the movie it's already sort of makes me furrow my brow right it's pretentious i agree but i at least respect the fact especially within a big budget studio system he got to make the movie he wanted to make 
movies that are reliant on anything that came before it, other than the tribute to part two, like I said, this was completely in new territory for him. Yeah. So this is a Rob Zombie movie more than it is an homage to say the how the world of Halloween. Yeah. Especially when you look at Lords of Salem, so he seems to really like this really crazy, edgy, almost uh, art house yeah. kind of approach to horror. Yeah. And I think that can work. Yeah. But I think he's better at doing sort of the straight kills. Like I've said, those deaths really have impact. Oh God, the scene where he beats in that um, bodyguard to that boot, put the boot right through his face. Oh yeah. my Lord, like this movie is brutally violent. I can't remember the last time that I was physically ill, physically affected from the sheer brutality of a movie quite like this. Like, this movie is insanely violent. The trade-off is, though, I think, sorry. Yeah. The trade-off is when you go that route, which is more honest and more, you know, yeah. I think when Jeremy and I were talking, we said it's more human in a way. Yeah. Because, like, people don't just go off like light switches. They rage against the dying of the light. Yeah. Right? But the trade-off is that you lose the fun. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, this movie is not fun. Uh, and uh, it's a weird line for me because I, I like I think that the there may be a sweet spot right in the middle, but it's tricky. Yeah. Because uh, if it becomes so ugly that I, I don't enjoy it anymore, it, it detracts from the entertainment value to me. But if it's not taken seriously enough, if it just becomes a cartoon and I don't yeah. care about anything, then it's so. I'm not saying that it's easy. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the trade-off with, with that level of violence is that it's not fun. The scene you're talking about, it followed by the, the strip club. He goes to the place where his mom used to work to kill whoever's fucking there, right? Yeah. And uh, both, like, it's just an ugly scene. He kills the stark naked prostitute or, or stripper. And, and, then he, and then he brutally kills the owner. The owner of yeah. the place. He also teleports in this movie. Okay. Uh, for some reason, he goes to the house... I believe, and he attacks the Daniel Harris character. Yeah. Then he teleports to the club, and he kills the two kids in the van. All right. Uh, and then he teleports back to the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And once again, this leads to the sheer insanity. Look, Why did he kill her friends? Because it was a slasher movie, and Michael Myers needed to kill them. Yeah. Uh, but like his goal was Laurie. He had like like. Why he had did so he, many other? Why did he need to like walk around in a field with with? You know, without the mask. Yeah. Look, and this is where I came to sort of somewhat appreciate this movie because, like, like I said earlier, the first time I watched this movie, I hated it because it's it's not a Halloween movie. It's not. And Halloween traditionalists and completists, you have the right to hate this movie. Yeah. I have a soft spot for movies that fly so off the rails that you know a night of movies so bad that it's fucking weird good. Yeah. It's I, a fascinating I, catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of tip my hand to it, and it's kind of deliberate. And it's I, not boring. No, no, once again, it's You're not, not boring. You're not frustrated by, oh, I've seen this before, because you haven't. Yeah, no. It's just not good. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's, it's, it's new. <laughs> I, this and sort of like the adventurers of Buckaroo Banzai would be this really odd double feature <laughs> where you've got two, you know, egomaniac directors that have complete control over a project. And make a film that no sane person would ever, ever make. Maybe. Maybe this was a movie that was made just for Rob Zombie. Well, absolutely. I think Rob Zombie, when he finally, you know, put this movie together right before he had the Weinsteins come in, and I'm sure he might have masturbated this movie going, Oh, I did it. I did it. I did it. Rob Zombie may think this is amazing, but uh, uh, he's in the minority. Yeah. 
but look, this movie like it's so bug fuck crazy. It 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 is. It's 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 nuts, and it's offensive to traditionalists. But there's something that made me like it. Um, I don't know if like it is the word I always use. Made made me something appreciate that it exists. I'll go back to the last time you were on the show. We reviewed a little movie called yeah. Rain of Fire, uh-huh. <laughs> and I said that it's an experience that's probably worth having. Yeah. And maybe that's something that can be echoed with this this part too. Yeah. It certainly doesn't offend me in the way that Halloween Resurrection <coughs> yes. offended me. Duh. But I couldn't say that it, I can't defend that it's a great. Yeah, great I movie I think that that explanation it's an is a lot more interesting failure. Yeah, and, and I think that explanation is more apt to this, mm-hmm. uh, to, to Halloween too. Yeah, where it's a very interesting failure, and if you want to see why it's important to have producers behind you saying no 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 keep this but no 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 this would be a shining example but i mean it could have been worse oh yeah like we we could have been we could have ended this podcast on on resurrection yeah yeah favorite Halloween movie and why? Tula! <laughs> the movie that shall not be named. <laughs> I, I just, I can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it. I can't. I, I just, wow. The movie that does not exist. The movie that does not exist. We know the title. <laughs> it's not even the name anymore. It's just Tula. <laughs> That's number 10. Well, I'm not surprised. Yes. Here we go. Number nine. Basically, I've got Halloween 3, the season of the witch. Mm-hmm. I think just the, the decisions made in this movie are, are, are just too stupid. And, I mean, I, I, I admire them for, you know, thinking outside the box and going outside the, the whole Michael Myers universe. But it's it's just a dumb movie. It's dumb. I, I would have paid to see them steal Stonehenge than anything else they put in that movie. <laughs> Um, at number eight, we have the debacle that is Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, there's just so so many decisions wrong with this movie that I just yeah no it's and Joe Chappelle. What were you thinking? Whoops. Yeah. What? Whoops. Okay. The movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Exactly. So, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers. Number 7, we have Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's version. It's an interesting failure, but some of the decisions are so maddening that you just, grr, grr. But it's just, once again, you're a talented guy, Rob Zombie. Just, you need a strong producer. So that's number 7. Number 6, I have the very long, boring Halloween 5. This film passes through you like a McDonald's milkshake, and out comes bile. It's boring, and the only thing I can recommend is it tries to expand the universe with questions that are not answered in this movie. So we have Halloween 5 at number 6. Number 5, we have Rob Zombie's Halloween. Once again, it's sort of schizophrenic in its quality. Um, It's 
interesting and I, I tip of the hat whoever was going to make this remake was going to be put to the coals by the general public so good on you for you trying but there's some decisions here that just interesting failure once yeah. again number four and here we go hmm, I'm going to put Halloween 2 interesting sequel more of the same start of the universe it's not bad it's not bad it's okay right yeah number three and this is where I debated long and hard was Halloween 4 the return of Michael Myers I guess it it sort of started um some of the goodness came back maybe and it's you know it's the return to joy I guess with with Michael Myers there's a lot of good things that happened with it I enjoy the little easter egg I guess of you know the station wagon coming by right um, we have characters that we like. I like the expand the universe with the militia and whatnot, and they use that well. Right. So I'm going to say Halloween 4 is number three. Number two, obviously, is H2O. Uh, I think this is when... This movie, sh- that's where the series should have ended. It ends on such a high note. It's, you know, a homage, at least to the Halloween movies. I love the fact that they just said, fuck it, you know, forget the, that we've had four and five, they painted, four, five, and six, they painted themselves into a corner, yeah. let's just reboot it, you know, you don't, you know, and it's also mercifully short, that end fight between her and Michael is... The tits. Yeah, it, it really is, That's, it's the tits, I like that, I like that response, it's so good. And of course, number one, like, was there any doubt? It is the classic, it is the Tempest... It is John Carpenter's and Deborah Hill's. I'm gonna say this as well. It's Halloween. Yeah, it's a classic. And what more can I say? That's a great list, man. We were super close. I, I was all fucking on board. I thought it's gonna happen. Like yeah. I really fucking thought it was gonna yeah, happen. I know. Like, I know exactly. I was it. talking through the reviews. I was thinking like, like no, we're on the same page here. Like I think we're I, know. I know. So, I know. I know. I think I know exactly where we split. In 10th position, Resurrection. (laughs) Uh, It didn't happen, you guys. It just didn't happen. I I will bend over backwards and I will forgive a lot of bullshit, but I do not forgive or, you know, I cannot apologize for Resurrection. (laughs) Happily, at the very bottom of this list, I am done with that movie. In ninth position, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The fact that it has absolutely nothing to do with Michael Myers. Like, Tommy Lee Wallace himself says the biggest problem with the movie is that it's called Halloween 3. I would argue that it would still be a lame movie if it wasn't... If it was just called Season of the Witch, it would still be a long-forgotten, you know, footnote horror movie of the 80s. But uh, I think it also says something about the quality of the film that shall no longer be mentioned, that... In spite of the fact that Michael Myers does not appear in this film, it's not at the bottom of the list. Yeah. So, there we go. In eighth place, the unbelievable mess that is the curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. That would be part seven, if I believe. Yeah, seven. Yes, it Halloween is. Halloween seven, the curse of Michael Myers. Uh, they made two movies out of it, neither of which are any good. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, yeah. the, it was a hot mess that they were trying to save. Uh, after the fact and I don't think I don't think any amount of life support <laughs> was going to save this patient so yeah. there it is at 8th place in 7th place the Catastrophes <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 yeah. what a crazy movie I know. what a well made well intentioned 
crazy, crazy bad movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like just when you think the movie's gone, like as crazy it's gonna get. Nope, no, he's gonna raise the bar for you. Yeah. And in many ways, it's kind of just worth looking at because of just how fucked it is. It's it's like a car accident. You can't take your eyes off it, but at the same time, you shouldn't be looking at it. In sixth position, then yes. Yeah. That would be Halloween 5. It was the slapdash, quick, not as good, sort of fast-tracking sequel to the much superior fourth entry. Yeah. It's not completely awful, but it seems like with minimal effort, it could have been better than it was. Yeah. It's probably the most forgettable entry in that it's not like dramatically awful, but it's not that's so not great that it's kind of bland, yeah. flavorless sort of experience. Yeah. Fifth position, Halloween remake. I, uh, again, that's, that's, that's past the halfway point in the list. Like, I, I like it. I, I mean, I think it's an interesting movie, but the, uh, the, the stuff working against him, uh, anybody making this movie had like an uphill battle. And yeah. a lot of my dis- things that I don't like about the movie are personal choices. I just didn't like the track that he took with the characters, but it was totally his like yeah. I don't think it was wrong. It was just a choice that I would not have made. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that there's a chance that people will out there will like this movie way more than I do. So yeah. uh it's it's on the top half of the list. Just this is it. where I think we differ. It is. In fourth position I put Halloween four. Yeah. I I kinda knew that. It was the apology for part three and yeah. it's decent. And I think honestly the ending is the real sort of thing that, that in a way elevates it. It was a pretty industry standard slasher horror movie, but they really kind of boot fucked us at the end with that ending. And uh, a lot of them won't even try to do that anymore. It's just like person in peril, person is rescued credits. They don't try to do that stinger gotcha sort of a Halloween twist. So it was a little bit more ambitious and a little bit more respectful. So I, I, there it is. That's where it ended up for me. Uh, so in fourth position, Halloween 4. In third position, Halloween 2. I think for me, a lot of it is the location of the hospital. It was it was still in Haddonfield, but it was different enough to distinguish itself as distinct. Like, when you get to the, you know, 4, 5, and 6, in a lot of ways, the movies blur together in your mind, because it's all just random neighborhood in Haddonfield and the house where Michael Myers committed his murder. <laughs> like, it's, there's a sameness to him. So, yeah. uh... It distinguished itself in that way. I, I mentioned it in the review. I'll mention it again here. I really like the moment where she shoots out his eyes. I don't know why, because it's absurd. But I've, I've always really liked that scene. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so that brings us to second place. We were back on the same ground again. Uh, H2O. 20 years after Halloween, they made a movie nowhere near the equal uh, to to the original Halloween, but very respectful, very solid, and you know, putting the series back in the right step again. You know, it's like, yeah. By the time we got to part seven, it was a pretty hot mess, and and for this one, I got the feeling like everybody involved cared, and it and, and it paid off for the fans and for the box office for everyone. It, it, yeah. it worked out. And yes, of course, the first movie is the the best. Yeah. John Carpenter's Halloween is a is a straight up classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will have words with anyone who says otherwise. Yeah. I know not if you're not a fan of slasher movies generally, you're probably not going to be a fan of Halloween. Yeah. But as slasher movies go, uh, as I said in the past on the podcast, yeah. I don't think it's been beat yet. Yeah. Here in 2016, I have not seen a better slasher movie than Halloween. So, brings me back to that question I've asked throughout the podcast. 
Mustafa Akand. Friend or foe? Friend. Yeah, yeah? Why? Because he bankrolled the Halloween franchise. And for all its odd corners and for all its missteps and for all its frustrations, if he didn't do that, we wouldn't be sitting in this room talking about it. We wouldn't have the Halloween franchise as it exists to, you know, poke sticks at and say, this is what I would have done. You guys are stupid. We're geniuses. Our nerd, uh, you know, embracing of, the, of these movies is made possible by Mustafa Akkad. And I don't think, you know, his motivations were much beyond, you know, making a lot of money in, in this Hollywood system. I don't think he didn't care about the ha Halloween movies, but I think that it was. Like I said, it was his golden goose. And he wanted to get as many eggs out of it as possible. Some of the eggs were a little sour, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad somebody, you know, was there. That said, uh, I guess if it was one producer, whoever that producer's name would have been, be it Mustafa Akkad or, or John Smith or, you know, whoever that person would be, I would be grateful to. But in the end, I think the real people we have to thank for this are Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like it. I, I have more of an affection, as I've said in the past in this podcast, for the Friday the 13th sort of carnival, the sort of ride movies of these sort of slower suspense beasts. But I have grown to really love uh, the Halloween franchise. I've always kind of had a, a soft spot, as goofy as it is, for Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that age has been pretty kind in a lot of ways to the Halloween movies, you know? I, I, they, the 80s in this sort of increases their charm nowadays, as opposed to what, you know, they used to kind of taint them for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm happy that they're there, and it was kind of nice to revisit them. It does take me back to a different time and place in my life. A and, much simpler time, yeah. yeah. And uh, when I didn't watch these analytically at all and enjoyed them, and now that I'm you know middle aged and I can and looking at these movies again and putting much more energy into sort of taking them apart, I'm enjoying them on a, a different, maybe deeper level, maybe not. Yeah. I don't think you ever love movies the way you do when you first sort of discover. Something. No, that's true. But uh, it. You know, a long history of me loving Halloween movies. And wherever it goes next, be it good, be it bad, I'm going to follow the trail. I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of this franchise so much that I will go and, 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 and will be excited to see the next Halloween movie. So much so that I will probably pay money to see it in the theater. Just, just, the, the, just the, how much respect and love I do have for the franchise. Um... I, I sort of equivalent, you know, if I was to give a, some sort of personality or character to, let's say, the Friday the 13th franchise and the Halloween franchise, the Friday the 13th franchise to me is like that really good friend who's at the party who always does the dumb stuff. You know, he's entertaining, but He's entertaining, he, but he's the friend that climbs a tree and hurts his head on the way down. <laughs> right. The Halloween franchise to me is like that girlfriend that really broke your heart one or two times. <laughs> she was really awesome for... For, for at some points of the relationship, but she really hurt you. But when the relationship you, you never completely got over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's that girl that, you know, you look back, you know, now that there's some distance and you're maybe, you know, married with kids and you kind of go, you know, you were a big part of my life, but you've hurt me so. <laughs> I think that's why I just hold it just a little bit above the Friday the 13th series. It's just because... It has it was hurt your first me. love. It, it it well it was in a lot of ways. It was it was a lot of it, it was my first love, 
in the horror movie franchise. Well, that's a lot for any relationship to live up to, Mr. Beck. <laughs> All I'm saying. And now that I've said that, I, I feel like I need help. <laughs> okay. Anyways, it it may not be an entirely healthy relationship, but my relationship with Halloween shall continue. <laughs> all over kids we got all the way through it we made it through 10 halloween movies in two episodes and i hope everybody had a good time with that um, <clears throat> that was a tricky list and it was really close oh i just i can't believe that mr beckman hasn't won an episode yet <laughs> come so close so many times and uh i might have to give the man an honorary rnr award just for <laughs> sticking it out and keep coming back if you want to tell me how you would rank these 10 Halloween movies, you can do that by writing Larry Parsons at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And as usual, you can find the show on Facebook. You can find the show on iTunes. And I got to tell you guys, by listening to the show, you have proven to me that you have great taste in podcasts. Such great tastes, in fact, that I think you should share it with all of your friends. Let your friends know that Rank and Review is out there and that it's worth listening to. And I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you so much, kids. Mm-hmm.